Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. His name is Craig, Bucks in the Basement, 30 minutes of Pirates Talk for fans, by fans, and my friend Mitch Keller had a good start recently, and that, that, I'm starting to see a little bit of a corner turn, I'm not going to get too excited, other than that, Cabrian Hayes is basically the only really good hitter on the team right now, and hopefully Brian Reynolds is going to start to show something. Over the last couple of games, he's at least getting a hit a game, basically, so may, maybe it's starting to come together a little bit for him. Yeah, I mean, he's been a little bit more patient at the plate, had some uh, good at-bats. I know Shelton, he was just on the uh, the radio not too long ago talking about, you know, trying to get Reynolds back on track, trying to get him not to just swing at the ball, but swing, like, towards the ball with a purpose, seeing it better. Uh, took some walks, actually did make a, a decent amount of contact. Uh, but it's... Reynolds, he, he has got into slumps previously, none have been for this long and this bad aside from, you know, the 2020 season. Uh, but a lot of guys are struggling guys that you had mentioned. I think it was like Yuri Guriel was one guy you had mentioned struggling and he hit like four home runs in like three games or three home runs in four games or something. So we're looking for that corner turn with Reynolds. Yeah. Cabrian Hayes like to see him add a little bit more power, but I mean, we were talking about, you know, since the extension was signed before the season that, you know, if you can just get even him to be a average to above average major league bat with his glove, then he's well worth the money he's getting. He's well worth, you know, being on the team, being the starting third baseman. Mitch Keller, I'm trying to figure out what his pattern is because we've seen it for so many years now. It's like, good start, bad start, good start, bad start. And last year, uh, I wrote a piece, and it was examining like his fastball control and thinking stuff was playing off of the fastball. Uh, recently, I, I wrote something about like his slider use and, and when he's able to keep the slider more in the zone, um, and it's not something that, that you know batters can just spit on. Like batters, professional batters, pretty much know a lot of the times, unless it's like they're guessing they know if a pitch is going out of the zone whatsoever. And what the Pirates talked about a lot in the offseason was this thing called tunneling, where basically your pitch is dropping off at the last second and that every pitch coming in kind of looks the same. And even though, like, somebody said, well, you know, if he's throwing all the, the sliders in the zone, isn't that like hanging a slider? And I said, well, there's like a difference between actually, like, you know, it's it coming out of your hand and it just kind of like lofting into the middle of the plate instead of like, you know, coming in and looking like, you know, a fastball coming straight down the middle and then catching the bottom of the zone. 
So there's there's some things I I've noticed that he's been doing, and I mean I'll I'll keep an eye on it, but I keep on taking pictures on my phone. My wife probably thinks I'm crazy because I have pictures I have pictures of uh, Mitch Keller's like uh, baseball savant page and like his sliders and stuff. She probably thinks I'm like super weird, which I I am to a certain degree for having that. Craig, trust me, uh, your wife would be much more concerned if there were other kinds of pictures on your phone. This is this is okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> At least it's baseball stats and Mitch Keller and stuff like that on his phone when I see what's inside there. That's a good thing. So I'll keep an eye on it, but every single good start that he's had so far, he's been keeping his slider more in the zone. So maybe it's just like it's tight, the spin on it's better, and that it's just more deceptive. Because uh, that's like the bigger thing is that, you know, Mitch Keller, the fastball, uh, it plays well up in the zone, but a lot of times, even no matter how fast you throw it, guys are going to start to catch up with it. But if you're also throwing that and pairing that with like a a low 90s slider that's just having a little bit of movement at the end and you have good control on it, then you know what? That that might be the key to success for him. Uh, like I said, but it's always been good start, bad start. So everybody's kind of still looking for you know, when's Mitch Keller going to have, you know, two or three good starts in a row? Well, I do. And, I do see a pattern. OK, I mean, let's just look at what he's done. He's had five starts so far and, and his first two. OK, garbage. And then he gets two against Milwaukee, one in Milwaukee, one at home. He gets the Padres in the last one over the over those games coming from those first two games until you even got to the one that he just had here at the beginning of May. You see a lot of things happening as ERA is going down, his fielding independent pitching going down with it, showing that it, it is him that's influencing that. Uh, his whip has improved. He's keeping more guys off base. And just recently in that last game, his win probability that he adds, that's a very complicated metric, okay, and we'll have, we'd have to go over the formula here for a little while, but there's a metric that talks about whether or not a, a pitcher impacts the win. It was a positive impact. And we've only seen him do that one other time. I think it was the first start against Milwaukee. And in, generally, he has a negative impact when you look at those numbers. So what I'm seeing is a guy who's improving over the last few games. I see a positive thing in the fact that he had his longest outing so far this year. He went six innings. He only had one earned run. That's a quality start. And so if he comes out and he does that again the next game, then I'm going to start to feel pretty confident because I am seeing a slow improvement through the month of April, remember we had the lockout. This is really like extended spring training, basically, April was. So I, if he comes into May here and he builds off of this last start, then I think you could start feeling good about him because you saw this little-by-little little improvement from every start that he had in April. Yeah, and I, I'm i looking forward to a Pirates starting pitcher getting their first win because I, I don't know if you know that, Chris, that, <laughs> that we, we, we broke the record for like the most – consecutive games uh to i believe to start the season without a a win for their starting pitcher and and I, we're at like you know like 22 or something right now so that's like kind of that's kind of crappy though because you know Keller had a a decent start there we've had Quintana who's had a couple good starts they're not quality starts but they're enough to earn the win but the team hasn't been able to back them up i know a lot of people before the season were like okay with this lineup, we're going to be able to hit. We don't know exactly what the pitching's going to look like yet. You know, what kind of Brubaker we're going to get, Keller we're going to get, Thompson, Quintana, you know, all these guys. But we're going to, but the hitting 
is where, and I know it's been across the board. I know that, you know, batting averages and OPS and people that look at like an OPS plus and they see a guy that has an OPS below, you know, 700, which is usually our cutoff, Chris, that we've had for if you're going to be a starter in our lineup, you need to have an OPS of over 700. That's usually when you're starting to get towards and get into like, you know, the the OPS pluses, you know, above 100. So you're starting to, to look at those positives. Well, there's guys that have like, you know, a 101, 102 who are teetering like towards going towards like the middle of like the 600. So, I mean, there's, it's been that way, but there's still got to be some more power. There's got to be some more consistency. And we know a piece of that is Brian Reynolds, you know, not really getting off to a hot start. Another one uh, that's come up a lot. I was telling you before the show, I read Mike Piersek's article. Mike, who's been on the show, you know, I think more than any other guest, wrote a really good article about uh, Yoshi and, you know, why they brought him in. They brought him in for those eight home runs that he hit at the end of last season for us. Yeah, they were hoping that would extrapolate out into some power. I mean, you're getting something from Vogelbeck, and I left him out at the beginning. I mean, he and Hayes. I would think would be the one, two best hitters right now on this team. But you're right. Yoshi is not providing. Sotsugo is not, is not providing what you expected and it's hurting your team. I mean, look, look at what happened in the game after we last talked on bucks in the basement. Okay. We come out on Tuesdays, the Wednesday game against the Brewers and you use an opener essentially. And you decide that you're going to bring in Bryce Wilson after Dylan Peters starts off the game. That worked really well. Yeah. What did you do? You didn't give up a run until the seventh inning. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it was like, oh man, this opener thing worked perfectly. Yeah, but you couldn't score any runs. You lost three yeah. to one. You had one hit the <laughs> entire game. You scored a run of the six. That was it. That's all you did. And so the pitching, like, here's the thing. Since we last spoke, we were talking about how the pitching thing is scary and they have to find solutions. And and give give the Pirates credit. They went out this week after we talked about this. And I'm sure it's not because they're listening to Bucks in the basement. They're like, these two guys are geniuses. We should do what they say all the time. But they they went with the opener thing, and it, and it worked. And it not only benefited the team, but it benefited a Bryce Wilson who's trying to figure something out. They get a confidence of going out there for three innings or whatever. I think it was the three, four, five. And did he do the sixth as well? I can't remember if he did three or, or four innings there. But he doesn't give up anything. And, and he needed that. And so, and you see Mitch Keller have a good game on the first of this month. And you, you see Quintana starting to have better games and, and he's getting going and he's completely capable of being a guy that's going to walk out of this season with a walks and hits per innings pitched at about a 1.2 something, which is exactly what you want out of a starter. And he's, and he's going to fulfill what you brought him in here for. And maybe some team gets interested in him later on in the year and you get another piece. So, so there are some good things that happen with the pitching. The hitting has to catch up now. Because that's what's killing you over the last week or so. <laughs> At some point here, it, stuff has to turn around. And and Yoshi right now, and I was saying this, I think, like maybe even two shows ago, I'm just like, he has one extra base hit at this point in time. And it was like a slap double down the line, hit the opposite direction. Like, Yoshi's not pulling the ball whatsoever. I... Chavis, when he's getting in, he's been like a little bit of a spark plug. He still has some of those issues that that caused problems for him in Boston, which was, you know, he's striking out a decent amount. But he has at least shown some pop to the bat. And number two was like, when we brought Yoshi back and, and, you know, Colin Moran was out the door, 
it was like, okay, well, Yoshi's played a little bit of first base. Colin Wren wasn't that great of a first baseman. Yoshi said he's going to work on being a first baseman. He's like single-handedly like lost us two of these games with a glove. The one was like on a bouncer, like right underneath his glove. Another one, the air wasn't charged to him, but it's a ball that like any first baseman with any type of skill could scoop. But of course, it's, you know, it's going to go on the thrower just because they're going to say it was, it was offline or whatever. So that would be okay if Yoshi was hitting. Like uh, that was fine. Like no one was bringing Yoshi in for his like first base acumen. Like it wasn't like Yoshi was, he was going to be like a stud at first base. We were hoping to split between him, Vogelback, you know, now mixing in Chavis, and, but then him still providing that power a and getting that power from, from someplace else. I mean, Gamble hasn't really started off that hot, uh, who had played, you know, decent last year. It wasn't great, but you were kind of looking for if these guys all had the best seasons of their career, we'd be a better hitting team. Well, number one, we're we're not a better hitting team, and we're not a better fielding team. Well, so, and you're still experimenting. That's the thing. Like Josh Van Meter basically yeah. playing second base all the time. Like, what is this? Like, if you're really competing, would you really stick with this? Would you have really just picked this guy off the scrap heap and just thrown him in there as a starter at the keystone position? Because that's basically what he's been here recently. And what is he doing? He's hitting like 171. You got a lot of guys that are hitting around 200. Okay, or under 200 on this team right now. Like, I, I guess the knee jerk reaction would be. This is ridiculous. Put put Michael Chavis in there like every day. It, it put him at first or put him at second, but get one of those guys out of there between Sosugo and Van Meter. Just like pull one of them out of there, yank them out, move on with your life. Okay, uh, you know you, you can leave Vogelbeck DHing because he's a bat, and you don't need to force him into the field. And and, and I I like the fact that we're seeing Jack Sawinski get some some games. You know, you brought him up, you might as well give him a shot before you decide what you want to do. So it's not, it's nice to see him out there doing, you just don't have a lot of guys you can kind of plug in. Like if a guy's doing terribly, like, what are you going to do? You're going to release him. You're going to bring up another minor leaguer. Is is it time to bring somebody up right now? If, if, if only, if only our best prospect that I, that some people are arguing should start the season with this team was actually hitting well in triple a. I think the answer would be a lot simpler, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, and, I don't know if this is, I mean, I know it's probably not a dream for Charrington, but now he looks like, oh yeah, O'Neill Cruz definitely needed some work, so that's why we sent him down. Everybody knows why we sent him down. Chris, we had argued, or I shouldn't say argue, but we said, you know, if it was up to us, we'd bring him up the first day because maybe he can play well and earn us some draft picks. And that was more of our reasoning. Yeah, we want to see O'Neill Cruz up here, but our reasoning was more of a team-building thing. If we get him up here, he plays well, and he also earns us draft picks, you know, for next year, and they're coming up when he's maybe moving out in arbitration, then it's like a win-win type of situation. That's kind of the way we were looking at it. But O'Neill Cruz really not helping his case whatsoever. He's not playing well defensively. He's struggling mightily offensively. The, the one home run that, you know, everybody was sharing from his walk-off. I think that was, you know, like not this Sunday, but the Sunday before is his only home run. Uh, people were fighting on Twitter. I think it was on maybe Friday night going back and forth. Uh, and I was just watching it. And then I just pull up, you know, the Indians game on my phone, on my MILBT. And I'm like, let's see how O'Neill's been looking. He like struck out like four times in five at-bats. Like he's just not really looking great 
So he's not really making a case to come up. <laughs> and you have to make a decision with him at some point because I think this is his last year of having, this is his last option year. So he will be up at some point in time. But for the fans that are arguing he should be up now, I, I don't know if you really have a leg to stand on. I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, if you're taking, you know, three weeks or four weeks of a triple A season and deciding this guy's not ready yet and not using like his entire past performance. Well, basically you're using last year because he struggled in 2019 when he came up to Altoona and then he tore it up last year in Altoona, got hurt, came back, played well, played well in like, I think like six triple a games and then was up in the majors so i was okay with them doing that quote-unquote seizing or whatever it would be but but the track record for him playing well is about as long as the track record for him you know not playing well at times and struggling with the strikeouts and and, and struggling with promotions and wanting to see him you know ben Sherrington talked about you know we have targets for him offensively and defensively to reach you know, we want him to be working on some stuff. And, and I know that people are probably getting more frustrated with hearing the GM speak than if they opened up their minds and thought, man, Ono Cruz, batting below the Mendoza line. Shouldn't we wait until he has at least like a good week or something? That's, I mean, that's what happened with Jack Sawinski. He got the call up, I mean, because, you know, Reynolds and Tucker went on, you know, the, the COVID IL for a couple days or whatever. But at least he had been, like, you know, hitting. And he's still kind of struggling to adjust to the majors, hitting, I think, 217 as we're recording before they play the game tonight. Right. But he's looked, and, like, okay. And here's the thing. Look at this team. Like, just pull up what they're all doing. I mean, you don't really need to. You know that, like I said, with the exception of one or two or three guys total, there's not a lot of hitters right now on this team. And you're going to take a, a prized prospect that you want to see flourish and you're going to throw him into a lineup that he's going to get very little protection, if any at all, because pitchers are going to be like, well, half this lineup sucks easily. Okay, so I could just concentrate on these guys that that make me a little bit more nervous. And so he better be ready when he gets here. You know, he's got to be ready. That's what makes what Cabrian Hayes is doing right now so impressive to me. What he's doing right now in the middle of the lineup and even Vogelback. I mean, look at this guy. He's playing above his skis right now. There's a, this is not what he normally does. He, he, that's why he's bounced around Major League Baseball. This is where you kind of thought the potential would be for him, but this is not what he normally does. So what, what Hayes is doing right now, yeah, I, I wish there was more power, but he's got his OPS above 850, and he's doing it in a lineup that's basically dead. It's like watching paint dry, watching the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates offense. Okay, It's that exciting. There's not, there's not very much going on in there. And so because of that, it, you, he, he can be focused upon by, by opposing pitching staffs right now. They, they can really just be like, this is the only guy who can really hurt us, or this is one of only two guys that can really hurt us. So what he's doing right now is actually very impressive. O'Neill Cruz is going to have to do something similar when he gets up here to the majors, unless his team starts finding other guys that start going. I mean, unless Brian Reynolds starts going finally. I mean, like, the, so that's the thing. Whenever you're going to bring up a young guy, you, you want him to be ready, and you kind of want the team that's around him to be at least not detrimental to his next step or otherwise he's going to get up here and he's going to get killed. Yeah. Cause then you're like almost like saying, okay, well it's got to be Brian Reynolds, Cabrian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz. 
I mean, Vogelback's good for right now. We've got him, you know, we've got him technically on a two-year deal. We could, you know, he could stick around for next year or we could, you know, it could be bought out. But, you know, for the most part, anybody that's here for the extended future, you know, you're looking at Hayes and Reynolds. And then, like you said, Ono Cruz, he's got to hit the ground running. And if he doesn't hit the ground running, then... You know, that's putting a lot of pressure on him, and that's fans that are going to, I know, that would take a total 180 out of how they're calling for him right now and will be jumping down his throat and booing him at games. Like, that'll happen. Right. Right. And, and so, look, I, I mean, think, man, I'm looking at these lineups. I'm looking at these lineups. And Cabrian Hayes, some of the guys that have hit behind him recently. I mean, like, he's had a couple games where Vogelbeck's hitting behind him. Like, it's obvious that they, they, they've they said, hey, you know, we like starting him in the leadoff spot, and that was kind of cute, but can we, we may have to protect our best hitter there. And also, we by protecting Hayes and making him more dangerous, it helps get Reynolds going. So I, I've kind of gotten that they're doing that. I mean, it seems more often than not over the last week or so, that's kind of how Shelton has set up the lineup, and it makes sense. He's put his two best hitters in the three and four spot most of the time. Not all of it. I would love to see consistency. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, when, if a guy looking for that. If a guy's going well, just leave him there. And then try to get the other guys that are going, stick him in front of him or put him behind him or put him in between those guys. You know, find a way to support and help other guys get going. But the guys that are going, leave them alone. Okay? Because you don't want to screw that up. Because then you got nothing. You know, that's the only thing that makes me nervous when I see Hayes still ending up as the leadoff guy every once in a while. I, that, that that frightens me. Just just keep him where he's at. You know, don't make it so complicated on your guys that, that are doing well, especially a guy that is supposed to be a cornerstone uh, and a piece for you for a long time. You want him to have a nice, solid season, and you want to be able to have – I love the idea when Reynolds sits in front of him, okay, because that protects Reynolds. He'll get better pitches. The more that Hayes, if Hayes could start getting dangerous, you know, and start hitting a few of them out, they'll get even more cautious trying not to get to him. And you may see something left over the plate by somebody who does not want to walk Brian Reynolds and get to Brian Hayes. So, and, and that benefits Brian Reynolds. And that's how you try to build your lineup. You try to, you try to set it up so that pitchers, as they get into an inning, go, oh, man, I don't want to run into this. You know, like when, when teams play the Angels, the, the, in the back of their mind, they know exactly where Mike Trout is. They, they're, they're very aware. And they, they really, the guy who hits in front of him is going to get a pitch every once in a while that he wouldn't normally get because he's hitting in front of Mike Trout. Nobody wants to get to him. Okay. And so that's why I like when I see him in the three spot. I like seeing Vogelbeck behind him protecting him. And now you got Reynolds sitting in the two spot. When I see that lineup where it's two, three, four, and I've seen it a few times over the last couple of, uh, of, of days over the last week or so. I really like that. I think that'll get Reynolds going and you tr- continue to try to build around that putting Satsugo in the four spot behind Cabrian Hayes doesn't help Cabrian Hayes. And I don't think it really helps y- Yoshi out either because there's nobody in the five spot helping him. There's nobody that's making him get better pitch selection. In fact, uh, pitchers are like, okay, we're going to, we're going to pitch around Hayes and we're going to get to him. and We're going to destroy him. Okay, so I, I don't think that that benefits you either. I, I see some tinkering still. I would love to just see your, your best guys just left in that core two, three, four spot and then try to build off of that. Yeah, and, th- and that's really the important thing is getting the bats going uh, and, and just, like you said, getting some consistency. And that's why it's, it's so terrible, like the Reynolds getting off to his start and, and Yoshi getting off to his start. So if it was just one of them and you could find a way to protect them, but then like you said, as you go down the order, it's like, who do you put behind Yoshi? Because you can't protect, you know, everybody. And and that's where, like, 
that's where some of these games are getting away from them because once a lot of times the pitcher gets to like the <laughs> if they're getting to the meat of our order they're not as nervous as they should be even on a bad team you should still have like those you know two to three four professional major league hitters that the the pitcher should have to prepare for and that's where stuff's getting away from them and like I said, the other big thing that's getting away from them, Chris, is their defense. Last year, that was the only thing the Pirates could hang their hat on was, you know, how well they did on defense. They were a top three defensive team in all of Major League Baseball. At this point, this at this point this year, Chris, they are in the bottom three of Major League Baseball. Uh, before getting injured, Kevin Newman, you know, was committing some errors. Even Cabrian making some bad stops. And that was the other thing that people looked across. Is that you know, we I said before is like Yoshi, he'll he can at least stand there and do something. Well, he really can't even do that. So defensively getting worse, hitting getting worse, and luckily, I mean, luckily we're, our our record isn't as bad as the Reds is right now, and, and luckily we're getting to play the Reds a decent amount coming up here in the next couple of weeks. All right, a couple of transactions were made over the last week. Uh, they had to go from twenty eight to twenty six, and it was interesting. It was all it was all pitchers getting tossed off this team. Banda comes back from the injured list. Howard, Yuri, uh, and uh, Fletcher uh, are all are all back to Indianapolis. And I think that made an awful lot of sense. Uh, anything stand out to you? No. I mean, no, because at the end of our last show, Chris, like we kind of just touched on it briefly. We said, who are you? Who's the two worst pitchers? And I know a lot of, there were some people on online that pushed back against us and said, well, you know, what's your bench going to look like? Um, I just really saw them going 13 and 13. And the two worst pitchers, I, I Howard's one outing couldn't even get a ball across the plate for a strike. Was walking guys on four pitches. Yuhure was a part of that disastrous twenty-one to nothing game coming in after Thompson giving up like seven runs. Uh, just really not having as good stuff. And Yuhure is a guy that I, if it wouldn't have been twenty-eight to start the season, him and Max Kranick were uh, were kind of like slow starters in spring training uh working back from from minor tweaks and injuries in the offseason so i was even still surprised to see you hurry on the 28 to begin with he just since we've got him from you know from the yankees he was their top prospect at the time and the you know rowan's Contreras, the one that's kind of sticking out now but you just he just hasn't he has a great curveball doesn't have much velocity on his fastball and and just seems to be getting injured and hit around a lot. So I, there's really no surprise there. Fletcher, he was a waiver claim pickup from Seattle. You know, still fairly young, but hadn't been pitching very well uh, before going on. Uh, and, and Banda was off with a viral illness. It wasn't even like a, uh, wasn't even like you know an elbow, a knee, or whatever or anything. He he just kind of got sick with something. Um, he was looking okay. So, and, and the other part is, like, with the pitchers, they still have a decent amount of guys that that have options. Uh, Bo Schulzer made it uh, through, you know, being brought up. Chase DeYoung uh, added to the 40-man as well. I mean, these are guys that you're going to see. You're, I think you're going to start to see that revolving door like we saw last year a little bit, uh, especially if our pitchers, you know, aside from Mitch Keller going six innings and Jose Quintana going five, you know, can't really, like, eat up a lot. Uh, I, I think you're going to start to see that a lot more and, and see some of the pitchers from AAA coming up. But really no shock there. 
This brings me to something I wanted to do here at the end of the show. And maybe this will catch on. Maybe this is something we'll do all year long because we're dealing with a team in the midst of a rebuild, trying to now build up. And there are guys that, you know, they want to get up to the majors at some point. And there are guys that are hanging around this team right now that are running out of chances. And with all the guys that are up and down and DFA'd like Anthony Alford uh, did not make it through uh, April. And there was a possibility that that was going to happen and it happened. Okay. He's gone. So who would you say? I'm curious here. Give me three guys on Craig's chopping block. If he was the GM, the next three guys that you would have no problem or you could see leaving this team and the next three guys that you could see being added to this roster. Chopping block easy. Uh, number one's easy for me, Josh Van Meter. I've been I've been harping <laughs> on that for I'm with you for a few weeks now. And you even said like, what's he doing at second base? Like all those games, like Chavis can play second base, so can Castillo, everybody. I mean that it's it's just absolutely ridiculous. He make that move makes me feel like it's a guy to Charrington kind of dug. He was always on his board. There's somebody who he wants to bring in and play every day. And at this point, he's like, well, until that guy's coming up from the minors. I'll give this Van Meter a chance because maybe he was always on my list for a reason. But you're right. I don't think he lasts very much longer. He's not impressing me in any way. So he's on your chopping block. He better get it together quick or Craig would have him off the team. Who else? Cole Tucker. <laughs> I just have to. I mean, man, like he, he's he's got his shot. And I know he's been he's been sick now or whatever, and he's on the list. But like he showed a little bit in spring training, but even the time that he's been in here, it's just, I mean, I know it's only 45 plate appearances, but he's looking like Cole Tucker, 40% strikeout rate, batting 156 and not even really playing good defense. So we always, we always said defense was his calling card, but that wasn't all our calling card for him. So for me, like I just, I don't see a, a need for Cole Tucker on the team anymore. No, no, I'm with you. And uh, he's got, he's got bigger things to keep track of. I saw Vanessa Hudgens in uh, the most see-through of outfits at the Met Gala. That, that was all over my Twitter timeline. <laughs> he maybe needs to go and just stand next to her and uh, and keep track of what's going on. Third guy in the chopping block. This one's actually kind of tough because the, the bullpen has pitched pretty well. And I, I don't really want to get rid of any starting pitchers yet. Like, but if I had to, I mean, this one would hurt me, but I would have to say of the starting pitchers right now, the one that I've seen that I just, it has to be JT Brubaker. Like he's still giving up the long ball. He's just not still not locating well. And if I had to choose, do I want to see him gone? But he'd be on my chopping block. He would be right now, but you could choose. I know a lot of people would choose any of like the, the bullpen, like a chase to young or something. But I'm going to go rough, and I'm just going to say JT Brubaker. And what's funny is you could have very easily said, well, Jack Zawinski, he'll be back down in a couple days. You didn't even think of him. Okay, so who are the three guys you add on to this team right now? Who's coming? Who do you want to see up here right now or soon? Right now, uh, Rowanzi Contreras, right. the given. Yes. you gotta, you got to want to see him up here. I'm actually, I'm an, I might kick myself for this. Lyover Pagaro coming straight up from Double A. Take him instead of Marcano coming back, huh? Yeah, I would take him and, and put him right in, right in the Tucker Van Meter like special there, and, and just to see what we have with him. I mean, he's just been hitting so well at Double A, and I think there's like, there's so much at Triple A. You could probably cut some. I, I would cut Marcano before I would cut some of these other guys. 
But Pagaro is a guy, man, he's just been tearing the cover off the ball in Altoona. All right. And who's the last one? Is it O'Neill Cruz yet? You want to wait? Is he is he simmering? It's it to, to me it's either Mason Martin or Cal Mitchell. I I I would if if pressed for it to be one, I, I would say Mason Martin, uh, just because, you know, Yoshi's he's close to the chopping block for me at this point. I, I would like to see him possibly build up some sort of some sort of trade beef or just just to build up his trade value a little bit. But Mason Martin He's actually not striking out as much as he had been. The power's kind of still there. He's on a little bit of a hot streak. I would bring Mason Martin up at this point in time, not on the 40-man, but just to kind of see what you have in him and give him a longer look than... I know that that Will Craig, you know, got his four at-bats in the major leagues and then was gone. (laughs) Dumb play going on and everything. But, like, I want to see somebody, like... Put Mason Martin out there for like a solid month yeah. in the major leagues and just see where we at in this guy. It, it couldn't hurt. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day.